All right, everybody. You want to get going? Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for having me in Milestone once again. Uh, I think I like to. I'll start with the day I got sober. It was an interesting day. Regular day at the office. I just wanted. I had the big impediment we usually have at the end, which is I had no money, so that was a difficult thing. But I was trying to stay loaded until I could get high, and that was my plan, like every other day. And I had ended up. I went out in San Francisco, March 17th on a Thursday, and I sort of came to in a town about an hour and a half north of San Francisco called Calistoga. And I was in a trailer park with some guy I didn't know, not having any kind of horizontal consensual stuff, just I didn't know him. I was, you know, <laughs> we were hoping for a mutual acquaintance to come who had money or something. And uh, we were passing a bottle of Royal Gate Vodka, which back east is the, I mean back west, is a very famous brand. It's about less than a dollar for a pint. <laughs> and I always loved the, I've seen their bottle since, and before, their whole lineup was uh, glass, which would ruin your night when you dropped it. So knowing their customers, they they, they, they turn to all the plastic. So when you drop it, it bounces back up. So you, you know, has a little bit of an insurance policy for your Friday night. So I was drinking this bottle of vodka with him. And... Uh, <coughs> I looked at him, and he had a big, bulbous nose and varicose veins on his face, a very large face. And I said to myself, this guy's a bum. And lo and behold, I saw in his eyes that he thought of me as a bum, you know? And that was the moment of clarity. Something intervened, because I never, the bottoms didn't do it for me. I mean, when I hit a bottom, I just moved into the bottom, furnished it, <laughs> invited you over, and I was always in anxiety because I knew I'd be evicted to a lower bottom, but I tried to make the best of it. And, uh, but it ju- and I got to a point where I, there, was no, there was no low I couldn't go to. Or like we say back where I am, uh, your bottom is when you, uh, you can't lower s- your standards fast enough. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you can lower your standards fast enough, you can keep surviving on bottoms. But the bottom usually catches you where you just can't lower your st- your standards quick enough. Yeah, so I was, uh, I had given up hope because I'd spent two years in a drug and alcohol program. Not like this place. Not a, It was called Delancey Street. I have, think they have a, a, ch- a, a chapter in New York, too. And it was in San Francisco. And I was there for two years, 85 to 87. And in those two years, they had told me that uh, that period of my life, which was rather long, that had ended me up in Delancey Street, was over. And I was going to be in... It was like that that period of Mr. Hyde was over and Dr. Jekyll was going to continue on living, never to return to seeing or being Mr. Hyde. I was hoping they were right, man, but I had a strong suspicion they weren't. And uh, But I did what they told me to do. And after two years, I got I uh, graduated. And the first week I left the facility, uh, the house, the apartment I moved into, which I was going to move out of in about a week and a half, um, I went into my room, and I didn't know what to do with myself. It was 4.30 after work. And when I was in Delancey Street, they basically supervised every hour until you fell asleep. 
And I'm not proud of it, but I thrive in an institutional setting. If someone's telling me what to do 24-7, I do pretty well. So I was there on my own, and 4.30, and 11 o'clock, let's say, I'd go to sleep, seemed like an eternity. And my head was really anxious and irritable and restless. So it, was, it started an advertising campaign, what I'd been missing for the last two years. And it wasn't factual at all. It, just, it made it very romantic and very, very uh, desirous, but it wasn't like getting shot at and run over by cars. It was more like, oh, you know, those you know, bowling junkets with your friends and stuff that I had never done. So I bought that, I bought that, that uh, advertisement and I drove my car which I lost two nights later to a bar and I had my first drink in two years and that started off a train of circumstances that lasted ten months you know I had about I had two years of health so I had about ten months in me and I went on a run and you know we like to use that term run but it's really not the definition of what happens you know after a month or two you're limping usually you know and then a couple more months you're crawling and then you know nine or ten months you're pretty much dragged back to that state of pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. And in this case, times four or so. It was like d magnified. Because I went to college in Delancey Street. I, uh, my health came back, all this stuff. And it was just went right down the tubes. So I was in that trailer park just trying to avoid the reality by drinking my two running shoes from what was really happening was drugs and alcohol. And I was just trying to outrun everything that I felt was looming over me. And, um, and that whole thing stopped. It was an incredible event in hindsight. My head stopped, and that's where the problem of alcoholism resides. It's in your mind, and it's not a little bit of membrane in your mind. It's the thought system. It comes from the brain, and the thought system that is defined by its definition of self-centeredness is infected with alcoholism. So you, you're an eye self-centeredness gets extreme. Sort of like a, a, the difference between an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. Yeah? If you're alcoholic, you plug in self-centeredness, and then you can it really jam. It's pretty fucking loud. So, you know, let's say if I have a jealous streak, if I drink and use, I'll be up on stalking charges in a couple of months. Yeah? Things, it, will, it will amplify, and things will happen based on that. So... You know, that mind, that source of the disease stopped for about three or four minutes. I, hadn't did, I didn't think it was possible not to have a narration of what was happening. But something was happening with no story being played over it. And something came in to me, new information that I hadn't entertained ten seconds before, that changed the course of this action figure life. Yeah? I got up out of that trailer park, never to have another drink again until you know, 27 years now. And not, and not just that, but the freedom, uh, you know, never thinking about it or ever feeling like I wanted to have it again. Where before, a second before, that was the dominant influence in my life. Actually, probably around from six on. I started drinking as a, as a result of alcoholism. I wanted relief from alcoholism, and I got some by drinking. Yeah, that was my solution to the real problem. So, to have that that stop all these years where the problem doesn't exist for me is a is an incredible solution so what happened is I went 
you know, I left that place and I asked someone to help me and they did. And uh, they made a deal with me for a place to stay that night to take me to my first AA meeting, which was a men's meeting. And, sh- and so she had to drop me off. And then I went in and then she picked me up at nine and she brought me back to her place. And the miracle really happened when I was asleep. I fell asleep sometime during the night. And when I woke up in the morning, something had changed. And I could think with a little more wisdom than usual. And I said, I better call this AA thing because I don't think I can wait till 8 o'clock. You know, this is, this is like a landmine, you know, a minefield a, a whole day. So I called AA, central office, the number in the phone book. And they told me there was a meeting at 12. And I went to that meeting. And that started... What was downloaded was the whole enchilada, sobriety. And then every day since has been its expression. Yeah? In other words, it's almost like a, uh, a flower that's locked in, and then you put it in water and it opens up. Well, AA, the AA way of life, that gift was put in, and then the AA way of life fed it, and that flower has just been opening up for 27 years. Yes? <laughs> Incredible possibilities that were impossible to me before. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's been happening. And in that event, since I've been sober, certain things became really clear to me. The first thing, I had the third step in a way already, because I had surrendered to many things in my life already. I had surrendered to the police a few times. I had surrendered to girlfriends. I had surrendered to Delancey Street for two years. And so I knew what surrender was like as an action, but I didn't know that what's the, the most important part of a surrender is what you surrender to. See? So when I surrendered to Delancey Street, they promised and they said they had this incredible success rate of like 96% of people who were in Delancey Street stay sober, but they didn't mention the fine print that you'd have to stay there for the rest of your life. Yeah? So their power over alcoholism, there was a power, but it, had a, it worked in a very confined space. Four walls and a ceiling. You had to stay in the facility and be watched all the time, and then maybe you wouldn't drink for the rest of your life. To me, that's not a great option. In my, just for me, personally. And then to the police, when they put me in the jail, usually when I was in jail that night or two, obviously I wasn't getting loaded. So their power over me worked as long as I was incarcerated. But as soon as I got out, I went right back to it. And also hospitals. When I was in a hospital, you know, they were giving me their own drugs, but I wasn't doing what I usually do. But as soon as I left the hospital, I was apt to go right back. But when I came into AA... It's given, it introduced me to another power through surrender because that's a lot of, that's a, for a lot of us, that's how we get introduced to it. We don't get introduced to it through knowledge. We don't get introduced to it through anything, any human power, but we get introduced to it through surrender. In other words, you give up the ghost or something. Something gets collapsed, and you just, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you know what? I didn't know what surrender was until the event happened to me. The event happened to me in that trailer. When I got run over by a car, and I got run over twice in one night, that didn't initiate a surrender. I had no idea what surrender was. 
I really didn't. I had conceptual ideas. I thought it would be with some ex-girlfriends and contemporary girlfriends on a cliff near the ocean with long hair and the wind blowing, and I'd be surrendering, and there'd be a shaft of light. I didn't think surrendering was going to a meeting and doing inventories, but that's what it is. Yeah? So, <laughs> so... When I was so the first step to me is the catalyst to the third step, really. And the active part of the, of my disease of alcoholism or the disease of alcoholism in this life is not drinking or using; it's managing and controlling. Yeah, it's the second part of the first step. So that when I had that download occur, there was something pierced through my mental state where the problem resides. The problem resides in the thinking. And I had admitted to cops and to my mother and to a bartender that I was alcoholic many times to get another drink. I admitted I'm a drug addict to a dealer to get another shot. But this happened, this download produced a a download to the innermost self, which is not in the mental state. What I am is not a mental idea. And so it pierced the mental state, didn't stop there, didn't even have every, any consideration to it, and went into a deeper thing. And basically, there was just a giant CNN news flash with no story, just a headline, I'm screwed. Yeah? <laughs> and that I'm screwed was a sober assessment, one of the most pre- precise, succinct assessments of my life. I'm screwed. And it became a sober assessment that has never changed. 27 years. And so, to me, I find the real relief in the whole program is based on the second part of the first step, the managing. And you can see that it's very, very important because in the book, they talk about, uh, you know, the book is a linear progression, the first to 12 steps, yeah? So you go one, two, three, four. You don't usually go to seven and then go back to one. You go up this. So if it is a progression and you read the part in the book around the third step where it says... First, you've got to quit playing God because it doesn't work. And then next, God will be the director, you will be the channel, whatever. So the main principle of AA is preceded by a very important statement. To me, it's like the unspoken step of AA, which is quit playing God. Yeah, Quit playing God. Now, the thing is, we can't quit playing God. That's where the surrender comes into because what happens is... Oh, man. If you're identified as a self, the only way, and you are attempting to get out of a self, th- that will never succeed. Yeah. In other words, the product of disease can't leave the disease that's making it. And the sense of self that we have is the product of alcoholism. Our sense of self has been infected with alcoholism. Yeah. And so we run into this roadblock every freaking day we're trying to get out of self as a self. And then you say, all right, well, maybe if I get enough knowledge, I'll be able to do it. But it says very clearly, self-knowledge avails us nothing. Now, I'm saying, I think knowledge of self is incredibly valuable. But any knowledge claimed by self will not be valuable. It will not lead to freedom from self. Yeah? So self-knowledge will avail you nothing. But knowledge of self is very valuable because if you have knowledge of self that 
that feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the doer of the thoughts, the haver of the feelings, all like that. If there's knowledge about that, it will lead to you forgetting the self because you'll see it's not you. Yeah? If you can study the self, you like there's a great Buddhist master from Japan, an old master called Dogen, D-O-G-E-N, and I'm using a, a short segment of a statement he made, but he said, he said, Buddhism is to study the self, and to study the self is to forget the self. That's exactly what happened to me. When I came into AA, most of my first 10 or 11 years was trying to get out of self as a self. Yeah? There were noble feelings, they were very lofty ideas, but I was trapped in a format of the disease that I, would, I could not escape from because I was trying to escape as. Yeah. So when I wanted to be free, I wanted to be free as a self. When the freedom is from self, from. So if you read the book, it goes through a segment on page 64, and it doesn't say alcoholism is what has defeated us. It says self is what has defeated us. Self, not selfishness, self-centeredness, not the attributes, but self. Self is what has defeated us. And it says you need to be convinced of that, which means to believe with certainty. So it's a pretty big statement. If you read any of the statements that he has convinced beforehand, they're important statements in the recovery of, from alcoholism. So being convinced that self manifested in various ways. If you get a dictionary, or on your iPad, or on your computer, or your phones, and you look up the definition of self, in the old dictionaries, it's a, they'll usually be the self, and a hyphen, and about 120 different adjectives or attributes, like self-emulation, self-love, self-destruction, self-sabotage. Yeah? And so you can see many of the manifestations of self in one's life, after if you just look up the definition of self, You'll see how it manifests. It manifests in some nice ways, but the, the, let's say the contracting, let's say darker ways, outweigh the light, the light ways about five to one. So you're behind the eight ball immediately. <laughs> so if that thing is interpreting your life, your, inter your life is going to be quite fucking small, man. Because <laughs> if you're having a good day, how long does it last without your head interrupting it? How long? When you're having a really good time, how long does it last before something bubbles up in here and says, you don't deserve this. They're going to find out who you are. Whatever, you know? So it puts a damper on it. Something you worked for years to get to, it fucking pisses on it, like, in five minutes. But the same head, the exact same head, if it has a sense that you may have had an uncomfortable feeling, it says that it's a beginning of a lifelong depression. So it, it takes the good, whatever the good that comes your way, and tries to sh shrink it, and then it elongates not even a real bad, an imaginary bad. <laughs> Most people who go out, let's say tonight, don't go out because of tonight. They go out because they're having a feeling tonight, and their head tells it they're going to feel like this forever. So basic, fuck it. You know how many new people I've talked to and they describe the exact same thing? Heroin addicts, everyone. I got uncomfortable and I felt like it was going to last forever. You better believe you're going to get loaded. If you believe that something that was really uncomfortable was going to be forever, you'd do almost anything. So basically, it's trying to convince us constantly of its own reality. And its reality, its level of what we call surrender in, in AA, in its reality, surrender is fuck it. 
it leads you to a fuck it, and then you just, oh, fuck it, I'm going to get loaded, or sleep with my friend's girlfriend, or, you know, steal that fucking bottle, fuck it, you know, fuck it. And then the shit hits the fan, and then you're, you're accountable. You know how many people are in jail and they killed someone in a blackout? They can't even go back to the night when the whole event that's changed their whole life, they can't even remember what happened. Yet they're in jail for the rest of their lives. Because of a fuck it. Most people that are in jail are there because of alcohol and drugs, somewhere or the other. I Probably at least 90%. You know what I mean? It's the most unaddressed root cause of so much shit here. Yeah. And all the people that died, they'll say, oh, he died of this. If you trace back their history, it's probably alcohol and drugs a lot of times. Liver failure, all this stuff. Yeah. This thing, like we say in, a, in San Francisco, the ego is no amigo. <laughs> the ego is not your amigo. <laughs> I don't really... I don't believe self isn't the ego. I believe sense, the self, the sense, the, the self is, is, a, is a sense. You feel like you're the doer when an action happens through the body. You feel like you're the thinker when you notice a thought. Yeah? You, fe- you feel like you're the feeler when a feeling occurs. And that, that, that gluing all day by the mental state to this idea of being the one... It's happening all day, all day, all day. All your thoughts are being used to bind you to an idea of being the thinker. Or the thought about, either way. Yeah? So, what happened with me? So I had the idea of the third step. The first step was obvious. I'm not managerial quality. You know, I'm clear on that. And I'm powerless over alcohol and drugs. And this is an important thing, too, because if we're powerless over alcohol and drugs then why are you still harvesting guilt and shame for the behavior that happened when you were under its influence? If you get the, the definition of powerlessness, it's like dancing with a gorilla and you stop when it wants to stop. Yeah? Then why do you keep on claiming all the responsibilities, those behaviors you had nothing to fucking do with? When I drank and used, I was apt to do almost anything unless you could physically stop me. Yeah? Yet... We still, the mental state is still going back into your past, harvesting guilt and shame to lay on you right now. There is a possibility to be free from that. At least start. Start small. Listen to people at meetings. And, you know, I came in with a very thick shell of terminal uniqueness, like we all do. I thought no one thought like I do, did, and no one ever felt like I did, that's for sure. And so, therefore, no one could ever understand me. Even, not, not even my mother could understand me. And no one did the heinous things that I did. And I come into AA for months, and I hear people share their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions in life. And I had to come to two conclusions. How did they get my thoughts? How does this guy, who I don't even know, doesn't even come from anywhere near me, I don't even particularly like him, but he's talking just like I talk. He has the same thoughts I seem to have. He has the same feelings I have. He has the same reactions to life I have. You've got to see, we're all hosts to the same parasite called alcoholism. It's been using every one of us for transportation. You don't believe it? Take a sociological study of a large community of recovered people or unrecovered people who are trying to recover. And then you see all their little diverse trajectories of life. 
How many of them end up at the three parking spaces of institution jails and death? How many? Being so different, how do they all arrive at the same place? Because one freaking thing's been driving us. The same parasite, it has a limited amount of characteristics, and you can tell its agenda by where you end up. And it's not happy, joyous, and free. It's incarcerated, right, and fucking resentful, let's say. It doesn't take anything into consideration. It'll hop on any horse that's available to it. And it ain't going to let you... You, you think you want, you're going to get off easy by dying? You won't fucking die. You'll be fucking <laughs> shuffling on the street with abscesses and everything. It's not letting you go. It's got one par- uh, one host. It's not you're like it's fucking bomb, baby. You're, you're its only vehicle. It's going to use you till you're dried up. And then you'll come back to life. You know, must, He's got to be dead this time. Oh, Give me another drink. It's unbelievable. It's like we're like, you, can, you ever see palmetto bugs? Those big fucking cockroaches that can fly? I used to live in Florida at, in this house when I was younger. I came from New York. This is a, And I moved into a, like a nudist house. The family was nude. They didn't have any clothes on. But I just rented a room from them. <laughs> no, I wasn't joining into their nudity. But I, you know, I rented a room and I was in... Coconut Grove, beautiful place. You know, big lizards in the trees and shit. But they had these two giant bugs in this room. I had never seen a palmetto bug. It's like a stealth bomber compared to a cockroach. It's about this big. And then you can hear them at night. They make noise because they're so big. And I could hear them in the dresser and everything. So I had candles all around my little futon on the floor. Just keep warding them off. But I'd be awake listening to them. And then they, when you walk in, they'd be flying. And they didn't have a good flying GPS. They just and hit you in the shoulder. They could only fly like 20 feet, but they were erratic. And so I just said, fuck, I got to get rid of these things. So I planned. I stayed up one night. I could hear them. So I got, at this time, there was these shoes back then called Earth Shoes. A lot of people like. They were about two pounds each. They were huge, heavy, freaking things. But a lot of people had them. And I had them, you know. So I had the earth shoe, and I was waiting for it, and I saw the palmetto bug running across no man's land, the floor, and I hit him. I hit him with this earth shoe really hard. So I said, fuck it, all I got to do is get the other one. I removed the earth shoe, and suddenly it goes, it just gets up, and I moved out the next day. I gave it away. I said, take it, man. I can't kill the thing. I mean, I squished him, and his legs just went, and he just I mean, this is what alcoholism is like. Two years is like a minute to it. Two years of a program, it can fucking wait that out like that. That's nothing to it. It'll wait and wait and wait just for that one moment when you listen to one thought and you combine an action with that thought and it jackpots you. Once that genie's out of the bottle, man, you're fucked. And the thing is, like, I have an idea of an alcoholic and a recovered alcoholic. The alcoholic calls you after they drink and the recovered alcoholic calls you before they drink. After you drink, it's just damage control. You know? You've been so taken over, you can't hear anything at that point. The parasite is going to deflect any information coming in. And you don't think so? You think the resistance to the program is your resistance? It's not your resistance. It's alcoholism's resistance. You would love to be free from alcoholism, but you can't entertain that because you take yourself to be what it's telling you of. It's an incredible strategy it has. It convinces the host that it's the host. You'll die for it to be right. You will. 
you'll come to an AA meeting with a little pose. Oh, yeah, so I'm open to hear what you have to say. Fuck that. It's not you, but, you know, a lot of people. They usually lean back and like this. You know what I mean? You're not. I'm open to hear what... Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so. We take our thoughts to be God-honest truth and, like, and wisdom from an oracle. They're not. They're, they're from the parasite. The parasite is using the thought system to get its way. It doesn't have a car. A parasite doesn't have a mouth. Alcoholism cannot drink. It has to get its fuel to you through you. It doesn't have a pore in the skin. It needs that, that food, that fucking adrenaline of shooting up some drugs, and it needs you to comply with its wish because it's trapped. It's not of a body. Yeah? But it takes the use of the body like a car. Hasn't that felt like that? If you haven't drank, I did it for two years in Delancey Street, and I went back out. And I'm telling you, it was like a possession. Something that was dormant just became alive again. And it did the same thing it always did to me. It used me for transportation. It doesn't give a damn where it takes you. It takes my. It's like a Ford. My my Ford, my Pinto style Ford, always goes to institution jails and death. That's where it goes. It doesn't go to the Bahamas. It doesn't go to fucking you know getting married. It goes to institution jails and death. You think it's going to change its ways? <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been so good, Paul. I'm going to give you a break. <laughs> sure, Paul. Go have a life for a year or two. <laughs> Get married, have a kid. See what happens. <laughs> so, the first step was very clear to me. The second step to me is observational. The first two steps are reflective, really. Yeah, You're reflecting back on your life. You're reflecting back on the first step, your life before recovery, and on the second step, you're reflecting, reflecting on your recovery life. You know? So, because it says we came to believe. So, something has already happened. So, you see that something has done for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Just the basic that you're not drinking for a month is enough. It's a big enough demonstration that a power that's great in us can restore us to sanity. And the sanity, sanity they're talking about in the book is the sanity that precedes the first drink. It's not the insanity about, you know, how I look. That comes later. But the, what AA is basically pinpointed at is the insanity that precedes the first drink. And the insanity that precedes the first drink is introduced in the mental state, in the thought system. You will hear it. You will hear it. You will hear it. And it will ha sound like you. It will have the sound of your voice, but it's not your voice. It's the disease. And it's going to do something or tell you to do something that's going to lead you into its domain. That's what it does. Yeah. So <clears throat> the third step was the big point because at that time I turned my will and my life over to the care of a power greater than myself, which I had done before. Delancey Street, jail, and this and that. But this power has allowed me to be like a free-range alcoholic, which is an incredible thing. Yeah. I know where the coop is, but I'm not cooped up in it. I can roam around, I have a life, I do this and I do that. And what I was looking for, I found to be right where I am. Yeah. It's my innermost. Yeah. It's, that great with, it's that great reality within, he talks about in the book. The great reality within is what you are. The unfortunate thing, most of us are trying to approach it as, it's, as, it, as if it's something that we, as what we're not, going to find. It doesn't work. All you do is negate the idea of who you are and you'll find out what you are. 
But most of us are trying to find out what we are through who we are, and it won't work. Yeah? That's the bondage of self. So the third step was my gate, man. I had It was nice because I have the flavor of what surrender was like, and it has a lot of weight to me. It's A lot of things have happened in my life, and if, let's say if you think something's important to you, that's where most of your manifestations of self will appear. Yeah. So if, let's say you have a body image that you want to keep and you're really afraid you're not going to have the body image, most of your anxiety and fear and resentments will be around the body image. Yeah? Because self will go to whatever you take to be important. That's what it does. And you'll see self by its manifestations, which are resentments, fears, harming other people, self-pity, all these things. Yes? Grandiosity, self-entitlement, all this stuff. You'll see it. So you recognize the tree by the fruit. You can't see the tree because the parasite, you can't take an x-ray of alcoholism. You can't see it. It's not a thing. Yeah? It's a mental wind or a mental parasite. You can't see it, but you can see it through its fruits. You can see it by its, its effects. So that's what the whole fourth step is to me. With a fourth step, for me, turned in about the 11th year. And I was reading how it works, and I used to have the privilege of, of, of leading many fourth-step workshops since I was three years sober till for 19 years. Yeah, So I was always reading how it works, and I, I had, thought I had a meaning of it, and that meaning seemed to be stable. Then one day something happened in my head. Another download occurred, and then when I read the word self, it's, I saw it in a different light. And this statement... That statement I've been using is the, one of the most important turning points of my life. Because at that point, I stopped calling the disease me. And I saw it as a foreign installment. And when I saw it as a foreign entity, I could entertain being free from it. Instead of trying to entertain freedom as it. Totally different. I was always always defeated, even before I start trying to be free as it. But I could, when I finally saw it wasn't me, or the possibility dawned, hey, that may not be me, uh, the, first, the first possibility that showed up was I can be free from it. Radically free from it. Not, not socialize it, not therapize it, not have it surveilled all the time, but free. Yeah. And it has come to pass. The problem, in a sense, will, does not need to exist for you anymore. Yeah, a day at a time. You'll be in, you'll be free a day at a time from alcoholism. Yeah. So the third step led to that fourth step, and I, that statement I use: being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So we're the us, yeah, and self is a foreign idea. Check it out. You need. It's a good thing to, if he says that in the book. It's a damn important that. What has defeated us is self. Not alcoholism. It's used alcoholism. It's used alcohol to defeat us. It's used drugs to defeat us. It's used a lot of things to defeat us. But what has defeated us isn't the alcohol, isn't the drugs, itself. This S-E-L-F. And we're the us. Yeah? So there's the parasite and we're the host. The parasite very, very hostile, and the takeover ex is extreme, you would think we would throw it off as soon as it landed on us. Yeah, And it knows that, so it came up with an incredible strategy. And its strategy is to convince the host that it's the host. Yeah, So when it comes into a, an area of your life like relationships, and it knocks on the door, and you open it, 
And you say, who is it? It says me. And it goes right in. And it pisses all over that. And then money. Oh, no, it's me coming in. All right. That me is the wolf in sheep's clothing, babes. <laughs> That's it. Recognize it. before it, Because if it comes in, it's going to be difficult to get it out. Because even when you're trying to get out of it, you'll be getting out of it as it. Yeah? You'll be identified. You don't know when you're identified. I had to hear it from someone outside of me. I got it from another person that explained to me that why are you looking for another meditation technique? Why don't you just find the meditator? See who is it that needs to meditate. See who is it that needs to drink. See who is it that needs clarity. Not not saying about clarity, drinking this, but see who is it. And if you're not that, then maybe you don't need clarity. Maybe the clarity is in realizing what you're not. Yeah, maybe the joy that you think is based on a plan and always put into the future is available right now. Maybe peace is something you can enjoy at this very moment. Maybe serenity can be understood without huge amount of time. Maybe you have it all within you, but something's blocking you off from it. And to me, in my own experience in this community... The exact nature of the wrong is identification as something you're not. Yeah? And the identification is reinforced, it's established, it's glued, it's done over and over again through the thought system. Yeah? Your thought system's constantly talking about you in the past, and it pictures you as a body. It does not picture you as a spirit. It doesn't. Yeah? Because it couldn't think about you as a spirit. How can it go back in memory and think of you? How was my spirit three years ago? Exactly as it is now. <laughs> Open and wide and untouchable. <laughs> what, what situation was my spirit in? Nothing. No situation. It's everywhere. <laughs> where was it going? Where do you go in everywhere? <laughs> you're, you're in everywhere, everywhere you go. Where do you go? So the thought system pictures you as a body, and so it can think about you. And it thinks about you incessantly in the past, doesn't it? Usually when you're having trouble today, it's never based on today. It's based on last Wednesday or three weeks ago or a week from now. Tell, tell the truth. Usually if your Friday night sucks, it has nothing to do with Friday. Stop pinning it on Friday. It has to do with two weeks ago or a month ago. And they're not even here. You conjure them up. The thought system does. And then you dwell on them, and you take them to be real, and they bite you in the ass. So your Friday night goes out the window, not because of Friday, but because of last Wednesday, or because of next Tuesday. Your mental state goes back, back all the time, pictures you as a body, remembers you now as a body. When you remember, you don't remember in the past. You remember the past now. The remembering doesn't happen where you're remembering. It happens now. And therefore, all right, so, okay, well, i got to give up the past. But then the mental state is totally obsessed about the future. What's going to happen to me? And that me represents a body, yes? Okay, so now you're concerned about me in the future, but it's another form of remembering. All that thought about you as a body in the future you get to be remembered as a body now. That's the basis of the bondage of self. 
That's what the thought system reinforces all day. All, th- all of its interpretations are to point that out constantly. And then you take yourself to be a body. Yeah, You take yourself to be the thought, the thinker. You take yourself to be the feeler. You t- take yourself to be the one who has the money. You take yourself to be the one who has the relationship. And then it's up to no good. It uses that bridge of claiming and it starts doing its thing. It erodes everything that could bring you love in this life. It will tell you the most important place you need to be right now, and it will tell you not to be here. How many people here, totally being an addict alcoholic, did, did AA ever come to mind? I needed AA, unbelievable. I never even heard of it when I was young. Fuck. Before, I, I wouldn't have gone into Lancy Street if I knew AA. I spent. I made a two-year commitment. I could have gone to one-hour meeting. <laughs> I made a two-year commitment. I had no idea of AA, and I was a person who needed to know about AA unbelievably. What was blocking me off from the information? The same thing that's telling you, oh, this sucks. I'm not really an alcoholic. Hey, if you are here, there's probably good, you know, there's a pretty good indication you may have alcoholism because no one's going to come to listen to me in fucking Milestone in, New- in Dover, New Jersey. <laughs> No way. So, you know, you got to see where you're at. Maybe it's a, instead of listening to your head about yesterday and tomorrow, just take where, where are your feet and start there. It's probably, this is your seat assignment. Your seat assignment is recovery. It is, or you wouldn't be here. So I did the, so I entered the fourth step. And the, for the first years, I kept thinking there were my resentments and my fears and my harms to others. Yes? And I didn't see that that act, you can see it in the statement, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. If we're convinced of that, we will now look at its self's common manifestations. And if you move to the next paragraph, it says resentment. So follow the line. Self manifested in various ways. Some of its common manifestations are resentments. Then why do you keep calling them yours? Why are you calling the self's expressions your expressions? Why are you calling the fear that self generates your fear? Why are you calling that resentment that self is seeing? Yes? Because resentment means to refeel. It has nothing to do with this moment. This moment is just used to trigger a past idea of something that happened to you. And everything self is based on is re. Refeeling, rethinking, rehashing, ba da 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 da. It doesn't exist now. So it, 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 it appears to exist now by being obsessed in yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah? So if you follow that, all right, resentment is a manifestation in self in one's life. And you're not self, you're us. Yeah? So when, why taking inventory, that one word dropped off, which is an incredible word, man. You do whatever you hear, but I like this. So you put relationship here. <laughs> I'm bad writing. Money. Okay, we could have a huge talk of this. Sex, unbelievable, yes. That would go on to about 11 tonight. Sex, money, relationships. Everyone reacts to the words, yeah? Some meanings come up in you, yes? All right, let's weigh them. Okay, relationship, for me, not much, not much now. Money. Yeah, uh, sex, well, 
Sex in Dover? No. Sex in Dover, the new show. Only a half hour. All right, so we want to change the weight. Simple. Change the weight. My relationships. My money. Oh, Jesus. I love all of you that have money, but none of mine. None of fucking mine. <laughs> My sex. You don't see the difference? Now, how many topics come up in your head every day? And the mental state precedes it with my everything. My thoughts, my feelings, my resentments, my fears. That's the act of being bonded to self. That's it. There is a solution. If you see it as a foreign installment, it's not going to change sex, money, relationships. It's going to weaken the mind. And I'll tell you something. A relation, just like the sample. I'm going out with a very nice girl. Everything's great. Having a good time. One night, suddenly, she becomes crowned as my girlfriend. Suddenly, I think I have the right to follow her. You know? Because <laughs> she's mine. I have the right to look at her emails. I have the right to sort of, you know, where did these ideas come from? I've had a great time with her, but then the my crept in, and everything changed. Yeah? Someone who has a, a belief in scarcity has a million dollars. You would think a million dollars would bring relief, but it's my money, and it's not enough. Yeah? The old, diet, old idea behind it is I do, I'll never have enough. It doesn't matter how much more money you'll get, you'll still believe you won't have enough. It says, let go of your old ideas in AA, or the result will be nil. This is with the old ideas. My, 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 my. That's the old idea. That's the oldest idea. The oldest idea is being a self. You weren't, you didn't have that idea when you were a baby. You grew into it. You grew into a mental state, like it says on page 63, when it talks about the first wave of, of results that will occur when you sincerely take the position of relying on something greater than self. Yeah? Which is a beautiful statement. Rely on something greater than self. Yeah? What will happen is you'll feel this new power flow in, all this stuff happens. You'll have a new employer, it'll take care of you, and then it says, it gets to a point, you sincerely take that position, then you get established in the position, and then the results amplify. You'll sense that presence, You'll lose, you'll lose the fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. You'll sense the conscious presence of the Spirit. You'll, be able to, you'll learn that you can face life successfully. Yes? Those aren't things we do. Those are effects from our mind changing. So the, the 12 steps are... A, if the problem resides in the mind, the 12 steps is attempting to diminish the influence self has in our mind. When it gets diminished sufficiently, your spiritual condition will shine through. You will realize the spiritual awakening is that you awaken to your true nature, which is spirit. That's what happens. Now you have a little influence in all this mental shit, having all these effects in the physical world, you now have the spiritual solution coming in and influencing your experience. So the my weakens. So instead of seeing life as happening to you, you just see life as happening. 
it's much easier to travel that way. And you enjoy it a whole lot more. Because if you if life is happening to you, you think you should you deserve a lot more that's happening to you. And you don't like what's happening to them because you should have it happening to you. And all of these opinions arise and you have a bad freaking day. Because first of all, you're not in the day. You're in the last week and next week. How are you going to deal with something that's not happening? If you're concerned about next week, how are you going to find a solution to that? It's not happening. That's the only solution. The only solution is to realize it's not happening right now. What more do you need to do? If you would do anything, you would give it relevance. How is, the, is there a next Wednesday? Literally. Can you fly there? Can you park your car there and come back in a week? No. It's, it's a mental idea. Yeah? It's a mental idea that says this now will be a different now next Wednesday. But when so here we are here, but I bet you next Wednesday there'll be this nagging thing called here there. Yeah? So whatever there you get to, it will be here. Yeah? Whatever future you ever arrive at will be now. You don't get it? You don't go anywhere. <laughs> There's a movie going by, tons of movies, but you are the screen. You're the screen. If the movie is a romantic uh, melodrama, you don't get wet with all the crying. If it's like a war movie, you don't get exploded. You're the screen. Spirit is awareness. You're conscious right now. You're on. You can note light. You can note sounds. You can note smells. You're aware. Are you working doing that? Do you have to wake up in the morning? All right, I'm going to smell today. <laughs> I've, been, I've been lax on my smelling. i got to smell. And, all right. All right. And, okay, I'm going to see today. Well, if your eyes are open, you will. I mean, if you don't want to see something that goes by you with open eyes, you know, too bad. You're going to see it. Yeah? You, don't, you have no control over it. You're an afterthought. I'm not going to... Did you ever do that when you first got sober? I'm not going to have a resentment. And ten minutes later, you have resentment. <laughs> you have no power. The dilemma is that you have no power. Yeah? The power has been taken from you by your identification as what you're not. The parasite is using the power that you are to lord over you. It's playing God. On God, basically. There's a solution, you know? So step five, that was an awesome one because when I did step five and shared, the most important part to me was the secrets you have. I shared something I wasn't going to share with anybody that I'd done when I was 11, a few times too. And I swore, it was in the vault and I had 24-hour security in there. No one was going to ever see this. I mean, it was a lot of energy being spent on not letting that out. And then the fifth step gave me permission to share it with another human being and that power. It's not just me and another human being, it's the power. It's like a trinity event, yes? It says it in the book, God, you, and the other person. It's not just you and another person. Whatever you call God, that's, that power's there. So I got the chance to share that with him. First of all, he missed it, so I had to say it twice, where I swore I was never going to say it ever again. I said it twice in one night with one minute, you know, span. But I said it, and I'll tell you, man, that, that eighth floor of my little storage unit 
was fucking all the shit was removed and the windows were open. Just some fucking just the breath of life came through and circulated. And I finally, you know, I felt this feeling so much after the fifth step. And what it was, I was finally in my own life. Yeah, I actually finally showed up. That I have not been what I've been looking for the whole time. I've been calling it me, and that I want to get out of. But it's actually the I. It's my own nature that was missing in my life. My life had been taken over by a parasite. It had taken all my attention and interest and threw it into the past and the future. So here didn't seem enough. Yeah? And the here I thought I was in was a mental here. It was just an idea of yesterday and tomorrow happening now. That's not the here. And the AA and the program of AA over the years, it's like being on an operating table. All I need to do is not get up and don't play doctor. Just let the operations continue. I have total faith in this program. And you just get undone and then redone. You get reconfigured. And then you become the source of your happiness instead of constantly seeking for it outside. Because even if you find it, you won't be, you won't be able to enjoy it because there's a belief you can enjoy it. All of us have been convicted in the court of the mental state. We've done something that we know we should never have done. And in fact, we did it under the influence usually of alcohol and drugs. We're not giving ourselves a reprieve. We're living out a sentence, basically. In the mental courts, we've been convicted a long time ago, never to be released. It's all a sham going for your probation hearing. You're not getting out. But this brings you, the 12 steps takes all those cases and brings it into the court of light. And you can fucking get a reprieve. You can be let off your own hook. Yeah? Allow good things to come and not squish them and not fucking destroy them because they would prove you wrong about how you think about yourself. Yes? There's a freedom. So steps six and seven to me are the very important thing in the act of years after you do that, you know, in, when you enter AA. Because six and seven, I look at the, the step four and five showed me the patterns of how self has defeated me. Yes? And so when the patterns would start arising in my life after four and five, I could see them, and that would be where six and seven came up. I would recognize it, and if I didn't recognize it in me, and I was at a meeting, I heard someone share something about alcoholism, and it hit me, I would do the sixth step. I'd say, hey, I'm entirely ready to have that removed, what I just felt. Because the closer you get out of it, right out of the oven, the more power there is. And I found there was power in the AA meetings, so I do a lot of six and seven in AA meetings. I listen to people talk about their alcoholism. I go, hey, I recognize that. I say, and that, I go, I want that removed. And I humbly ask that power to remove it. So that's six and seven. Yeah, <coughs> That goes on and on. Because the selfing, the parasite, will keep planning. It's planning a house. See? AA brings you to the blueprint room so you can see it. Because it's a lot easier to get out of a house that isn't built than something you're paying rent for or a mortgage and you got a lot of investment in it, furniture and shit like that. This is about, you see the, the, the start of a defeat before the defeat. Yeah. And immunity builds up to what causes the defeat is belief and total devotion to the thoughts. And now you get a daily reprieve from alcoholism. The problem doesn't exist for you anymore. And then if you take it a little farther, or it takes you a little farther, and you get to the root of the real dilemma, which is identification itself, it can get to the point where the problem doesn't exist as you anymore. See? Now, you're not taking yourself to be yourself. Then the freedom stabilizes. 
then it's not an experience that can get blown over by circumstances or situations. It can establish itself, man. And that's what really flips over that irritability, restlessness, and discontent into a contentment and a satisfaction. So that becomes the new norm in your life. And I'm telling you, the biggest solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. And if you inherently have it where you are, man, you won't be begging for fucking anything anymore. You won't be prostituting yourself for anything. Yeah. So what else? Oh, yes. Eight. <laughs> Just do a list. That's not hard. Nine. Make amends. That was the bet. That had the most effects in my program because, man, I could not believe I had been successfully avoiding people for years. I get an AA and I was just running into them left and right, and I'd have that urge to run, and then I'd stop and I'd go, "I'm in AA," and then I'd say, "Hey, come here, and I owe you forty-five bucks for that phone bill or whatever." And uh, man, it was a, such a freeing event because the selfing thrives in the past. Yeah. It has us hooked into the past. You're not being able to be free today because you've been convicted in the past. Yeah. So not, step nine was just doing the work of making the amends as many as I could. Step ten. What is step ten? Oh, I continue to do the inventory because you've got to keep your eyes out for the self. It's tricky, isn't it? You'll try the front door, then the side door, then the back door, go up through the skylight. Seller, it's like all it's trying to do is grab your attention. So it has one story. You know, you're really a loser, and you you make a flinch. It's on you like crazy. You ever see that? You have a problem, and you're looking up it on the internet, and then like I had a hernia. The next night, I had all my sites was hernia belts. They sent me advertising to buy a hernia belt. Jesus Christ, they're fast. They watch. I just well, maybe I didn't have a hernia, but they were on a hernia. And it was weird. There would be like a shoe sale, and then. And your guy standing with a hernia belt. Jesus Christ. How are you going to go look good with a hernia belt? Especially outside the pants. <laughs> I saw a guy wear it outside once. I had to bring him over. He was an old guy. I brought him over to the side. I said, you know, you got to put him inside the pants. You know, it's not a good, not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> so 10 you continue to take personal inventory you see the patterns of how self once tries to defeat you recognize that it's not you you know how clear you can do an inventory on someone else yeah I mean I can say I know exactly why you're fucked exactly yeah but for me it's very 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 distorted but now you're starting to look at yourself as a, as a stranger and you can get on it amen you are a small pathetic little voice up there and I'm not buying your, your avid. It's like K-Paul, like a radio station that only plays golden oldies. <laughs> oh, you're never going to be okay. It'll never work you. Or I'll never meet someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the one. This is the real problem. I, I have a uh, sponsee. That's what he does every few months. This is it. This is the problem. I said, is it the same as the problem three months ago? No, it's different. Of course it is. It's the problem. You know? It's the same, same pattern all the time. It's got a loop, and it just plays the loop. And if the thing is it's, it's lazy now because it's hooked us so easily. Now AA's come, introduced, introduced us to a greater power than it, and it's scared shit, really. It's scared shit. It's like the big dogs arrive, the little dogs got to get out. And I'm telling you, AA is a vehicle for the big dog to arrive. Yeah?
And if you don't tease it with bones, don't, hey, are you still asleep? If the big dog goes asleep, you got the run of your house. If it wakes up, you walk in it, you got to clean up afterwards, biting you and everyone else. The big dog's going to make a big mess out of your life. That's the alcoholism. If it's asleep, really, really try to entertain the idea of abstinence. Yeah. Don't give any little bit to it because it will take a mile. And then abstinence can even start being applied to thoughts. You start abstaining from thoughts, and then you start abstaining. It just starts happening that you don't match actions with thoughts. You have that thing we call the pause, yeah? The pause is one of the greatest things. If, you, if, I, if there was a genie in the world that would give you three gifts, mine would be three pauses, and you could drop them any place in your life. You could have changed your whole life if you had a pause at a certain point, yeah? Like when I got run over by that car that night. <laughs> but who knows? I could have become a serial killer. Who knows? You know, <laughs> so that pause. People are trying to talk to like the pause is a practice. The pause is what you is what you are. When the selfing stops, you're there. When all the huffing and puffing and blowing down all the imaginary mental houses stops, you're there. You've never left. There's no need to get into the moment. You've never been out of a moment. Without you, there is no moment. You are the one constant. Every feeling you've had has been seen by why you are. Every thought that's ever been noticed has been noticed by what you are, the awareness. Yeah? So, what time is it now? Is everyone done? Yes? Is that enough? No? You have to come back. I can't shoot the whole thing tonight. A couple more nights. We'll go to 10, 11, 12 tomorrow. Yeah, I don't want to beat the dead horse, you know. You got it, eh? It's an invitation. To me, AA is a path to illumination. Yeah? This message that I'm sharing illuminates whatever path you're on. I believe, sincerely, you are the light that you've been looking for. And AA provides a way for that light to really shine. Because when your life is chaotic and drama, I've never met a cocaine addict that sits after he shoots coke into meditation. <laughs> no. It isn't like, oh, I'm going on a retreat tomorrow. Bing! You know? <laughs> Ten-day retreat. No. It doesn't tend to go, you know, it doesn't go with it, you know? So, AA provides God rails, G-O-D rails, that can keep your action figure somewhat out of trouble. Yeah? And when things simmer down, then you meet, your mind can be freed from the attention to the situations and you know how it happens. It's sort of like it's like you step on flypaper, and then no matter how much you flap your wings, you can't take off. So in a sense, we have wings that are underused because we step stepping into flypaper. Fly we get stuck in the selfing. And then we want to get out as the selfing. It's like, to me, let's say that there was a world and there was only one sense in this world was feeling. There wasn't vision, there wasn't hearing, there wasn't tasting, there wasn't touching. There was just, I, there was touching, that was it. Okay? And so, and in this thing, in this world, there was a scripture, and of course it was in Braille, so you'd have to touch it. There was a scripture about heaven, and they represented of like walking through a garden of roses and touching all the petals, how smooth and soft they are. Yeah? 
And so a lot of people would like to have that experience. Unfortunately, in this world of sense, there's been a glove that sort of we have grown into. Like it says in AA, we can grow out of fear, therefore we must have grown into it. So this sense, this world of sense, this one hand has, has put itself into a glove. Yeah? And that glove is rough. So everything that glove feels, feels rough. Yeah? In other words, what it's feeling doesn't override what's feeling. Yeah? The glove gives the meaning to everything it touches. If it touches a rose petal, it's going to feel rough. If it touches a baby's ass, it's going to feel rough. Yeah? If, it's, if it touches marble, it's going to feel rough. And so when it runs into the scripture, oh, heaven's like this or that, it doesn't, the spiritual, the spiritual awakening can't relate, so it just becomes dogmatic or empty or fundamental, yeah? So you believe something, but you don't have the spirit of it, which is the whole point of AA. Not to become a fundamentalist with no spirit, it's like there's a dilemma of people having too many years and not enough days, Yeah? There's an identity that's grown because they've been in AA for a long time. It's still a bondage of self. They think they're a recovered person. They're not open to learning anything. So here's this glove, so everything I touch, I feel it. What would happen if that glove wasn't your skin? If you, someone finally pointed out, hey, you could probably take that off. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? That's what it's like in, in recovery. We're identified as the problem. We never think of taking it off. We're trying to be free as it. We're trying to be recovered as it. But the the glove isn't your hand. It can be pull, you can pull out, and then when you touch that rose petal, it would translate. You would know what softness is. You will understand the word serenity and no peace. This will happen. And it's not personal. It'll happen to all of us once the glove is removed. But first you've got to entertain and learn that the glove is on. Because I believe most of us are calling the hand, the, we're calling our hand the glove. And we're going, my hand, my this. It isn't. We're not getting the true experience of being alive here. We're getting a story of once being alive and I will be alive. But the aliveness now seems to be missing. That's why it's so fucking empty. But what would happen is the possibility, I'm not that, dawned on you. The next thing, that's what happened with me, the next thing I could entertain was I can be free from it. That was like the hand finally realizing, hey, I'm not jailed into this glove. It's, I've slipped in through an identification that's been reinforced by the thought system. Day in and day out, playing it, everything's about me, 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 as this idea, this glove. Well, let's slip it out and see what it's like. Then you would feel, like it says in AA, you will know serenity and comprehend peace, something like that. That's when the glove is removed. It's Peace isn't going to bleed through the glove. The glove's going to override peace. You can touch thousands of things and the glove's going to interpret every one of them as something rough. Every one of them. There's no special thing that's going to break through the definition of the glove. Well, what happens if the glove is removed? And you're not going to change a glove that's 80 grit sandpaper into a smooth thing. It ain't going to happen. Just see it, man. It was shown to me. I, I have total confidence in that you are exactly that which was revealed in my life. Exactly that. That we're no different as spirit. Not. Nada. No difference. And that the spirit's always available at all times, 
right where you are and right where you think you are and what and what and what you think you are. The only way the thinking has power over you is that they're yours. They're your thoughts. If you could see them as just thoughts, you could be relieved of them. They would happen. You would hear them, but you wouldn't be listening to them. And you would be navigated by some other power, not from the thought system. Then you would have intuition and wisdom download. You would be able to recognize blue as blue and red as red. You'd be able to recognize satisfaction and contentment. It is a possibility. Don't shortchange yourself. Remember we in AA, where I live, we used to have a, a, a thing that when you came in, you'd write down what you would like and things, how you would like things to change in your first year. And everyone, almost every person, when they reached the first year and they read that, they shortchanged themselves. They had so severely shortchanged themselves. And what the program had offered and brought to their lives was so much bigger than they could, than they had, think, they had thought about. Guess what, man? If a power can do something that we can't do for ourselves, let's expand the circle of what we can't do for ourselves. That's that. If you have any questions, you can have some questions if you like. Can I take a picture of you with that board? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Oh, another picture. (laughs) I gotta get a train. See you tomorrow. Thank you. All right. See ya. You got it. Yes. So let this represent the my, and then this is life happening. This is life happening to me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. First, we have shirts and books for sale there. I have to support my lavish lifestyle, and I need you to do it. So we have T-shirts and books. All right, you go ahead. Let's, let's try. This doesn't apply to me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Someone I know. Yeah. What if I'm not an alcoholic or an addict? Yeah. But I remember hearing you one time saying everybody's recovering from something. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's that uh, obsession with thinking or have to experience it or have it translated into some experience. Um, how does your message... Uh, Springboard, let's say, off. What is it springboard off? Uh, like here, it really springboard off. Of, like I'm, I'm screwed because I'm an addict and alcoholic. Yeah. Say you weren't either of those. What would it springboard off? Oh, the self-centeredness. Basically, everyone I've met pretty much has the same format of my mental state, which is self-centered. So everything is seen as how it relates to you. Yeah. For me, alcoholism is just an amplifier of that. So we're extremely self-centered. But basically, the, the basic stock format here seems to be self-centeredness, the thought system. Yeah? Yeah. It's centered on self, and its whole system is based on self. So the system... And so when I started first doing talks outside of AA, I first would see people, there, a lot of them like spiritual professionals, spiritual seekers, and I did, wasn't motivated to really share because I thought they were okay. But little did I know how sick they are. 
I swear, I swear, it's a much more subtle illness. Yeah, but and there's no one that's going to come up to it like a spiritual group and say, "Oh, you've had enough. Come on." Put down that that DVD in the book. Come on. <laughs> no, they don't do it. We're more we're more uh, flamboyant, you know. But there's an illness there too. They keep seeking. They keep wanting to get it as what they're not. So they'll come to 500 talks. I do talks other than AA. And I see people keep coming, but they're stuck because they want to be there to get it. And it's the absence of them that's the solution. Yeah? So it's just another flavor. You know what I mean? I would think, actually, the world could learn hugely from alcoholics and addicts because we're an extreme example of self-centeredness. But it's, it, it's applicable to everyone. And it's amazing how this place works that a solution that could be applied to a lot more people gets pigeonholed. Yeah? Because that's what it's always like, man. It's always like that. If I can make it not about, not for me, there you go. Yeah, jeez. So that's how I see it. So no, they, they get it. And a lot of them come to, up to me and they want to go to an AA meeting. I have a lot of people that admit they're alcoholics at non-alcoholic meetings. I swear. And of course they have relatives and families and they, oh my sister, my brother, I say, Jesus Christ. I'm not, I, I get to be used even in a non-AA meeting. It's great. The reasons I asked was like, first I got diagnosed with uh, cancer and I help a lot of people I know now that are in the same boat as I am. Yeah. And uh, I just want to improve on my uh, effectiveness. Uh, well, look at what their head's going to do. You know what? That my girlfriend had got cancer. Yeah, she's in AA, and I didn't hear much about cancer. But as soon as she was diagnosed, cancer became a huge thing in my life through her. And there's a lot of meanings been given to cancer by the mental state, man. Oh, Jesus Christ! Unbelievable. If whatever, just know this. Selfing, or the activity of disease that underlies alcoholism, which is selfing, self-centeredness, its first movement is to claim anything it comes in contact with. So let's say it comes in contact with cancer, it's going to run a huge story about cancer. Yeah? If it comes in contact with drugs, same thing. Come in contact with relationships, whatever. Whatever it comes in contact with, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow on. Yeah? But with thoughts and memories and opinions and forecasts and stuff like that. Yes? You have to have some sort of self-discipline built into yourself to do all of what you're saying, though, right? No. You have, if you're in recovery, you already have a way of life. What I'm saying is talking about that you're the true illumination of the path. And the path is a path to illumination. But you're the true illuminating quality. You are, yes? You are the spirit. Yes? So this is a path to illumination in a way. The, one of the results is supposed to be a spiritual awakening, which would be illumination. Yeah? But this message is something that was added on to that way of life I'm already in that illuminated the path even more. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. But have you ever found yourself recently, uh, in, in, in these recent past years, uh, suddenly in front of like a 10-foot bottle of whiskey going, fucking A, man? No, I haven't. But, well, probably one of the reasons why is, is I go to meetings and hear other people who do. 
you know, and now I've got to a point where I can learn very easily from others, where before I couldn't even learn from myself. I go to be reminded, I go for a lot of reasons. I like the presence. I like uh, tradition, too, of loving God as he may express itself in a group conscience. That's what I feel in a meeting. I feel the spirit, yeah? But I learn a lot about where I don't want to go. And usually, if you listen, you can follow where it's coming from. And it's usually the selfing, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, my first fairy princess, the first love of my life in AA. She uh, went out after 21 years. And uh, I'd love to do it. You know, if I had any ambition, I'd do a sociological study of old timers going out. Because where I live, it, it's definitely, uh, you could see that she went out thinking uh, that AA would be the same. Yeah? And it is, but she isn't. By drinking again, she, the obsession came back. And she doesn't like meetings. And then she thinks she knows everything. And it's been over five years of going in and out of high-end institutions. She gets out. She's had sober friends live with her. She still drinks. She just had a cousin who had 28 years from Alabama living with her. I just heard she drank again. I went to see her after she was drunk. And, uh, man, talk about the parasite having someone. It's unbelievable. So if you're sober now and recognize it, it's so much easier to stay sober than to get sober. And... uh, and to me, I feel over watching myself and others, a little bit of honoring the solution goes a long way. I mean, be appreciative of at least what's absence of in your life, yeah, which I get reminded of by meetings. You're not, you're not fucking going through a lot of the hell newcomers are going through because of the grace of AA. So to me, I like the idea of honoring it, the gift. And I think people fall into complacency well, they start thinking it's them instead of the grace. And then I've seen so many. One lady, she had 11 years, went back out, and I heard her at a meeting. She says, when is it going to stop? Because her head was on again, just ripping her a new one every day where she had relief from it for 11 years. And now it was, it was up again. The parasite woke up and was gnawing away at her. Man, this is, we're overmatched, baby. We are totally overmatched. We are totally overmatched here. We need to have group, to have the we. We need to have the spirit to have a, some kind of semblance of a chance. Because if we depend on ourselves, we are depending on the parasite. Because it is so integrated into the self, you can't recognize the difference. You don't know what's an alcoholic thought or just a thought. Yet every one of them seems to have an intent to lead you to fuck it. Yeah? The thing's driving you somewhere. It wants you to drink, and it wants you to do drugs. It wants you to think you don't like AA. It wants you to think this sucks. It wants to tell you how things are for it, not for you. (laughs) No fucking way for you. You're going to be the brunt of it. But it wants to do what it wants to do, and it needs you for transportation. It can't get up as as much trouble as it wants to do. It's got to have some arms and legs. You know what I mean? It's got to run around, do some shit, <laughs> blow things up. <laughs> Just recognize it, you know? Recognize it as not you. Just entertain. Maybe this thought right now isn't, a, isn't yours. Maybe it will help by framing it as an alcoholic thought. That will produce some distance, and you'll sense the... Per- st- you know when you do service, it's like you come out of the SSL... 
Most of us need like a divine proctologist, really, because we want to get back up there. We've got to be pulled out. But let's say we come out of the SSL because we went, we thought of others and we did an action. Yeah? And what happens? Don't you feel bigger? You feel more open or alive? Because you come out of the isolation of selfing and you're in, in, in the presence. And so what happens is you feel available. You know, you're here working with someone and then you feel the presence of the spirit. Yeah? What happens though? The selfing comes, says it was you that felt available and you felt the presence. Then you go up the ass of self again. <laughs> so you do service. But what happened to me after years of doing the same, doing these, these acts of service, one time I came out of the ass of self, felt the availability, sensed the presence, and I recognized I'm the presence. Yeah? I'm not. I'm the presence. Therefore, if I'm the presence, I'm available. And if I'm available, I'm of service. Yeah? Now, that's a, that's a state, not an experience. We're mostly, we're mostly based in a mental state now, trying to have good experiences to get relief from the mental state. But when the state changes, that's lasting relief. So instead of surrender and then taking it back, surrender, you get to a point of surrendered. Yeah? You're clear that you're not managerial quality, and you're gonna and it's and I've been directed for 27 years, and I am happy about the results. And I'm I, I don't care if I I'm you know I don't need a captain's hat you know or epaulets. I just want to have it work well. You know I'm happy by the results. I don't care if I'm in the front row or the back row as long as it's going well. You know, and it has been 27 years. It's, and why would it stop? This thing is an energy that in reinvigorates itself. If you entertain spirit, there'll be more spirit in a sense. Yeah? Yeah. All right. That's that for tonight. So we'll see each other tomorrow, hopefully. And shirts, shirts, books. What are you guys doing tomorrow? You should. We should go somewhere. Take me to lunch or something. You want to go out? Yeah, because I've got a lot of free time, and I have no car, and I don't have. Uh, I'm sort of trapped in the house. Yeah, we're gonna go dining out. Yeah, I haven't eaten much today. Hey man, it's good Love to see you, man. Thank you. <laughs> All we need is the eat and the wing, and that will set us free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.